If we're walking wounded, then how are we able to heal? Because healed people heal people, right? Thank you, Jesus. God help us. Amen? It is a pleasure to be here on this wonderful Father's Day. You guys, if you didn't go yesterday down that river and float for hours upon hours upon... I mean, I mean, uh, it was a wonderful time. We had a great time. It was great. We had 20 of us who went down and, and just really enjoyed hanging out and fellowshipping and cutting up. And, you know, some of us dragged way behind and some of us were super speedy. I mean, we, we got together a few times, but it was nice. It was good. Uh, along with the other thousands of people that was on the river yesterday. And then if you miss Guns and Grub, now I know not everybody's Guns fans, but the Grub was phenomenal. Let me tell you. We had a great time with uh, them last night, our men's ministry put on. So children's ministry orchestrated our float, and men's ministry put on our uh, guns and grubs. It was a great time. Appreciate all of those involved who set up targets and really uh, spent the time of preparing and prepping. It was a great, great time. I enjoyed it. And if you missed it, next year we'll put it on, you put it on your calendar. It's going to be a great time. Amen. Listen, I, I don't know, and, and, and I apologize for this because I really haven't advertised it as much as I should, um, but we, we have a group called Seventh Day Slumber coming tomorrow night. It's going to be in this facility tomorrow night. It is a, a part of our Celebrate Recovery ministry, but they are a Christian band, and uh, it's going to be a great time. We have blasted it through Facebook and social media um, I'm expecting a large crowd, and I would love to see all of you guys here to support uh, our church and our CR ministry. Come be a part, enjoy, invite young people, invite you know everybody to come. It's going to be a good, good time. The word will be shared, uh, music will be had, and uh, a fun time will be available. Amen? Amen. You know, I, I, I debated on doing this. If you, if you have a phone on you right now, would you pull that phone out real fast? Some of you already had it out, I know. <laughs> I want you to recognize someone that's not here this morning, and I want you to send a, just a brief text. Say, hey, we miss you this morning, and we look forward to seeing you. Oh, my Lord. These... I have a wonderful media team back there, and they're back there with their flashlights on, you know, doing this number right here. <laughs> That's the concert tomorrow night, not right now, right? You guys are amazing. But if you will, pull out your phone. If you can look around and see somebody that's missing right now, if you can just shoot them a quick text, all right? How many done it already? Some of you guys are quicker than others. Some of you guys are using the smartphones, and some of you guys are using the, the old phones. And some of you are just guys like me that can't read it anyway. <laughs> Boom. Done. All right? You good? Hey, you know what? <clears throat> This morning, I'm going to share just a few moments on warrior dads. Warrior dads. Um, I was reading in Job 
chapter 1, verse 5, it says, When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And for Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Thus Job did continually. You know, I was reading an article and, and really enjoyed it, so I have included it, uh, some excerpts of that within this message. And it's by Dr. James uh, Dobson. How many of you like uh, focus on the family? Dr. James Dobson, enjoy the material, great stuff. Um, this is what he wrote. He says, I know many of you are deeply concerned about our country today as I am. It is rocking and reeling like a ship on a stormy sea. Everything we have cherished about America is under assault, encompassing the entire Judeo-Christian ethic. Where do we start to preserve what we can't afford to lose? Specifically, what should be our highest priority in the battle to save our crumbling culture? It is my conviction that above all else, we must rise to the defense of this generation of children. Their minds and souls are in severe jeopardy. He goes on and says, when I survey what is being done to the most vulnerable members of our society, I become alarmed and angry. Children are the future of the human race. You and I will soon pass with, uh, with, from the scene, and today's younger generation will inherit the earth. Wow. Think about that. Next generation inheriting the earth. What will they inherit? It goes on and says, the Marxist, leftist, activist, and liberal politicians who are engineering today's revolution understand this dynamic fully. They recognize that every, everything they are and their socialist procedures have sought to achieve for many decades is suddenly within reach. This is why they are throwing hell itself at the young. They are striking while the iron is red hot. I'm going to finish with this paragraph. Like Life offers us only a few brief years to introduce our kids to Jesus Christ and to teach them the biblical principles on which tomorrow's civilization will depend. Their eternal destinies will rely on our fulfillment of this charge. Arraying against us are formidable foes who hate what we hold dear. They are armed with powerful weapons that include the leftist educational establishment, the inter entertainment industry, the liberal courts, the pornography industry, the nation's universities, the in internet, and almost every center of power. Each of these entities and many more are increasingly hostile to the traditional family and to the values that once provide the foundation for Western civilization. You, moms, dads, and grandparents are rapidly losing progeny. Progeny means those who will pass the torch to, right? Powerful. I thought it was a, a very good article. It went on, and there were some other points uh, that, that I believe are, are pertinent. But I want us to realize, dads, parents, grandparents, that there is an all-out war for the mind of our children. There's an all-out war that... We need to recognize because if we are to become vigilant and able to be overcomers to see our children be overcomers, we have to become vigilant to be able to uh, instill in them the values and, and all that God has given us so that we can have a generation that will be able to carry the torch. Amen? And when you realize that, 
That it is the mind that the enemy targets. We realize that in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. The word heart has also been translated mind. And so if, if the enemy can capture the minds of young people, he will also deter them from loving God with all of their heart, soul, and strength. Amen? Even, uh, even Psalms, David said in Psalms 26 and 2, Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. Wow. I realize that, that they are, our children uh, are the target of the, this next generation, of trying to be able to sway generations. It always starts with children, right? Because there's where the most pliable, there's where the most... Uh, uh, ability to be able to influence for long term, to be able, when you ingrain someone at young ages, it can affect their whole trajectory of life, their destiny, if you will, their legacy, if you will. So when I think about uh, the, the mind of children, what are children up against? What are they attracted to? What is drawing them? What is the lure or the bait that is drawing them in? You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, how many like to fish? Marvin, I know you're around here. You better raise your hand. Yeah, um, Brad said he went fishing a couple weeks ago and got him some walleye, right? There you go. We like to fish. But you know, the thing about fishing is the bait stinks. And so, how in the world do you get something to be attracted to something that stinks, that's dead, and looks ugly? Right? You put this nice, shiny thing on it, right? Shiny. <laughs> and you throw it out there, and you just kind of wiggle it a little bit, right? So just, isn't that what the world has done? They've packaged death. They've packaged stink. They've packaged something that appeals to the flesh uh, and, and, and they put shiny packaging on it so that everybody looks at it. Woo, that's pretty. It don't matter if it's going to kill me. Right? It doesn't matter if it's bad for me. It doesn't matter if it causes me to have diabetes or causes me to have sexual immorality or causes me to all these other things. It looks pretty. The package is great. Right? I mean, it's not like the world doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, there was a book that was written, and, and here's the title of the book. It says, The War for Children's Minds. I, when I first looked at it, I said, man, right on. This is a good Christian book about the war on children's minds. And then I start reading, and I'm like, what in the world? Boy, they are tricky, aren't they? They know what they're doing. They're, they're an all-out attack to demonize Christianity. To look at us as antiquated and old and look at us as something that, uh, that disseminates religion. They want us to, to look as we're just this big authoritarian group of people who, who doesn't understand, who doesn't care for, who doesn't want our children to rise up, who, who doesn't want our children to have abilities and do well. They look at us as somebody who wants to just tighten our children up and keep them bound and, and wound down so that they will never be what they could officially be. 
And that's the lie that they're trying to sell to young people and children today that Christianity is old. It's, 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 it has no relevance in today's world. But let me tell you, we have to stand and give account before the Lord Jesus Christ that we are the warriors for God, helping them to understand the truth of his word. Amen. Amen. What are they eating? What are they feasting at in the world today? What are we feasting at What tables do we set before us to allow our children to see us? What examples do we give? It reminded me of a story in 2 Kings 4 and 38 and 41. When Elisha returned from Gilgal, there was a famine in the land. How many know that we can see a famine in the land? There's a famine all across this world where their people are starving. It's not that there's not a spiritual hunger. Hear me now. It's not that there's not, that, that there's this... This lack of spiritual hunger, it's there. The the problem is, is that where's the body of Christ standing up with the word of God? I mean, we have it, and we have it in big print. We've got it in the smallest little print. We've got the word of God all around us, and people are starving to death, looking for truth, looking for something that will validate who they are in Christ Jesus. And yet we sit silently on the bystand, as bystanders watching the world, blaming the world for everything else. But I don't believe it's the world's problems that the world's going to hell. It's the Christians who haven't stood up with the word of God says, I will stand when everybody else is against me. I will walk in the truth. I will live the truth. You will not shut me up. I will stand because I am God's warrior in this day. Amen. Woo. Come on, somebody. And so here there was a famine in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him and said to his servant, put on a large pot of, and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. And then one of them went out into the field to gather some herbs and found a wild vine. And gathered from its from its lap, from his lap a full lap full of wild gourds, gourd head. And he came and sliced them into the pot of stew, for they did not know what they were. And so they poured it out for the men to eat. And as they were eating of the stew, they cried out and said, "Oh man of God, there's death in the pot." You know. The, it's amazing to me how many times we, uh, we kind of pat people on the back and say, they're just sowing their wild oats. We, we, we justify sin as this, oh, they'll come around. They know what's right. Boy, it got silent up in here. And yet, we allow them to leave the table because they're hungry. And we send them out and they're searching for something and they're finding wild gourds, right? They're finding the wildness of the world. Look, it's easy to find. Broad is the path. Isn't that what the word of God says? So it's easy to find that there's some wildness in the world. And so they go out and they're searching for these things that are wild. They go out searching for things that just, that's flashy and shiny. Oh, this must be good, right? I'm sure that as he was looking for something to eat, that the gourds popped out and said, oh, there's something good. And sadly is, is that the lack of discipleship, the lack of discernment, the lack of, 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 
of the intentional study of God's word has brought our, our society and our, and our church, the church, the body of Christ, into a place of famine where there's a lack of word of God. There's a famine of the word of God. And you can have a Bible study and have three people. You have a healing show and there's a thousand people show up because we're in for the shiny and not the tangible, powerful word of God that transforms the lives of people. And so they're going out and they're searching and they're they're finding what's shiny and say, oh, this is good. And what it is, is wild oats. And they're bringing it in. They're mixing it into the pot. Let me tell you something. I'm sure the base of the pot was good. I'm sure the stew, the foundation was good. But it's what we're adding to the pot that causes it to be sickening. It's because we've, mm, about to use a Spanish word here, (laughs) mezclarlo. We've mixed it, we've compromised faith with what's in the world, with the wild gourds, and we, and we want to sit down and eat it, but yet we don't realize there's death in the pot. God help us to recognize that, that there's death in the pot, that we can't compromise the faith that we have. Men and women of God, we cannot compromise our faith. We can't compromise the truth. We can't compromise the word of God. We have to stand when everybody else seems to do it. everybody else is doing it, I don't care what everybody else is doing. It's what will your house do? As for me and my house, come on, we will serve the Lord. It's, it's, look, can I be old holiness Pentecostal right now? Is that all right? Y'all handle old holiness Pentecostal? Look. What is in our heart is displayed on the outward appearance. Somebody said, don't judge me for the way I dress. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Yes, that's true. But what is displayed here will identify what's on the inside. Look, if, 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 if I want to live righteous, if I want to live holy, if I want to walk in the holiness of the Lord, then I also want to walk in a way that won't stumble my brother or my sister. I want to walk in a way that I'm not walking in offense to somebody else or causing someone else to stumble. I'm going to walk in a way that is modest and glorifying to God, living for him. My outward appearance is to glorify him. Amen. I'm not telling you you got to be R.W. Shambach and wear a three-piece suit and a tie everywhere you go and say, my God. But there has to be a sensible, sensibleness of how you attire yourself in the world because everyone's looking. And if they can't identify that you're different from them, then how will they know? Amen. It's all right, y'all love me still, right? I'm not saying that we have to dress in such a manner without the holiness of the Lord in our heart. Because there's the opposite side of that. There's, a, there's those who are walking around in spiritual pride with their long dresses that come down to their, you know, their sleeves and down to their ankles who have a spiritual pride about them that going, going straight to the pit themselves because they have no relationship with God. It's only religiousness. Amen? So I understand there's a balance of who we are, but what we are should be displayed from our heart. 
It should not just be displayed in our dress, but also in our actions and our attitudes and how we live our life before others because do other people see the fruit that's hanging off of our tree? Right? And you can't have good fruit and bad fruit hanging on the same tree. It just doesn't work that way. Amen? Good preaching, Pastor Paul. Go ahead, bud. Dwayne, that's good preaching right there now. Good. He said there's death in the pot. So the question is, is when you read on, it says, but he said to them, now bring me meal. And he threw it into the pot and said, pour it out for the people that they may eat. Then there was no harm in the pot. There was something he threw in. Now bring me meal. Uh, another article that I was reading was powerful. And it talked about what we're seeing in the world today. It says what we're facing today is fierce. Of all the things that disturb me in this culture of, of all the horrific, sinful, wretched, wicked, corp, uh, corrupt influences that go on in our culture, I think the thing that distresses me the most is the war on our children. This culture is weaponized to destroy the lives of children. It is systematically designed to do just that. 62.5 million children have died before they were ever born since 1970. Wow, 62.5 million. We all understand the breakdown of the family. I mean, if, if a, a child has the ability to escape the womb, <laughs> then, then it's a 50-50 chance if they're born into a family with a mother and a father because 50% will be born into a single family home. We recognize the war against the family. We recognize the war. And then if they happen to have the privilege of being born into a mother-father relationship, it is 60% chance that they will not have that same mother-father relationship in just a few years. You see the degradation of society. It starts with the enemy's attack on the family. And we wonder why children are feeling oppressed and depressed and feeling like they're wondering if anybody loves me, does anybody care? They're wondering if, if who they are. They're struggling with identity because they don't recognize because everybody around them is distressed and struggling and trying to find who they are. Why? Because the enemy wants to destroy the family. Wow. And then if, if we... If, 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 And then we send them into these cattle prods called schools. Now, thank God for good Christian teachers. Amen? Who will stand even in the pressure some environments of, of thought that has been pushed down on them to teach in manners that they themselves struggle with. And, and thank God we live in the Bible Belt. And so far we have some phenomenal uh, places where teachers can still pray. And teachers can still care about the word of God. And teachers can still encourage. But when you look across our vast United States, it is gradually becoming so uh, almost as if it's a, a center of conversion. 
You know, China, we, we rebel against China. We are mad that China has these concentration camps to, to uh, reprogram, if you will, people who are Muslims and even Christians. And we get so mad of the, the human rights uh, situations that we find in those places. And yet, even in our own country, we put them through these cattle prod schools and, and, and tell them they can't think for themselves any longer. Whatever happened to critical thought? Whatever happened to allowing somebody to be a sifter, to be able to grab a hold of something and say, I don't like that. And be able to say, I don't like that. Without being judged and condemned or told, you, that's, not, that's just hypocrisy. Or that's just a, you're just being hate speech and all that stuff. God help us. I mean, when you look at the, the lies that are systematic, the system. They lie about systematic racism. Look, we live in, in the country that demolished slavery for the whole world. I mean, it was, it was our nation. Was it pretty? No. Was it ugly? Yes. But guess what? Through it all, we matured to a process to realize that that was wrong. And then we, we went across this world Declaring that that's wrong. But yet here, there's this new mentality. I say, oh, you're, you're just systematic. You're just racist. And yet we, we, have, we have elected an African-American president. We've done some great things. And then they trying to push ideas of critical race theory and, and all these other all these other ideologies in our universities. And, and look, it's even passing through the churches. Music producers, movie makers, social media providers, big tech, you can name it. They literally pump out everything that will destroy our children. Children are under a relentless assault by all the forces of evil. And they are defenseless because we have to be the defenders of our children. Amen. Amen. That's all right. Give God glory. What do we throw in the pot? I mean, if you look, the prophet didn't take something out of the pot, but he threw something in. Amen? What are we throwing that's so powerful, that's so anointed, that's, that's so unique, that even when it's thrown into the pot, it covers the death in the pot? Come on, somebody. God help us. Well, I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 1 and 8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs 13 and 1, A wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer or a mocker does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs 15, 5 says, A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. I mean, look. You've got parents today allowing five-year-old children to, find, to, to identify what their gender is. When I was five years old, I just wanted to suck my thumb and do nothing. Right? They're not old enough to know when to go to the bathroom. And you're try, trying to tell them that they can identify with what they want. What? It is parents 
who disciple and instill the values to help them look. Somebody says, well, I was born this way. Let me tell you something. That's why Jesus said you've got to be born again. Look, I, in my life, I've had desires. In my life, I've had desires to be an alcoholic, and I fell into the trap. But that's not who I am. I've had desires for drugs, and yes, I fell into the trap, but that's not who I am. Look, I've had all kinds of crazy thoughts in this messed up mind of mine growing up in some radical situations. But thank be to God that he saves my soul and I'm no longer the old man that has been put to death. And any desire that rises up that is against the will of God has to be put back on the cross of Calvary because it is not who we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo. The Bible says to train up a child in the way they should go, right? I have to, look, that means I have to give them direction. Children are longing for direction. Children are longing for fathers to be fathers and not best friends. Look, I, I'm super thankful that I, well, I can't play soccer with these guys. These guys will kill me. But I'm super thankful that I could be sitting on the sidelines coaching and encouraging and being a part of their life. But when it comes down to it at the end of the day and I sit in my chair at the house, I'm still the father of the house. And I'm still the ones that I'm expect. I'm hoping to live a life that they can follow after. I'm hoping to live an example they can look at and say, man, I want to be like that guy. Right? I, I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to be, I want to have that same energy and excitement. I want to have the same zeal. I want to know that I love Jesus like he loves Jesus because Jesus made a difference in his life. Amen. Amen. It says train up. We need to give direction. We need to show them the way, show them the truth. I mean, I know that I preached a few weeks ago on Memorial Day out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, but it's still relevant even right now because in Deuteronomy 6, 1 and 2, it begins this way. It says, this is the commandment, the statutes, the judgments of the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. I mean, that God's given you something to teach your children. God's given you truth. How often do you spend showing your children the truth? How often do you sin, spend discussing the word of God with your children to give them the, the viable uh, foundation to know that this world is sinking sand, but there's something that will last and stand forever, and it's God's word. How, how many times are you deliberating that word with your children and helping them to identify, even when they don't understand, helping them to understand truth? God, help us, right? Since God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess. So that, notice this, so that your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God. Woo. We got a responsibility, don't we? Man, we hate responsibility. <sighs> we don't like it. It's a big word. Responsibility. That means I need to respond to my ability. <laughs> right? 
I have a responsibility to those who are around me. I have a responsibility. Look, I'm not here to destroy, to, to tear down, because my desire is to build them up, to encourage, to help them find truth, to help them live a life that is pleasing to Him, to glorify Him, to honor Him, to be citizens in the world that's, that, that, that knows where their destiny lies, not defined by the position and place where they're, where they're at. Amen? <laughs> it goes on and says, Fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Come on. Long life, submission to, obedience to, worship of, love for, fear of God. It goes down in verse 7 and says, You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, all of your life is consistently, just as Job said, that he, that he done continually. We are consistently to live a life before our children and not just as, as living but sharing the truth. Amen. You know, literally when you think about it, failure to, failure to raise your children... In the nurture and admonition, that's, that's New Testament words, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ is basically the greatest tra tragedy that we find in our culture today. I mean, when, when you think about uh, where we are, it didn't just happen yesterday. Samson didn't just find himself laying in the lap of Delilah. It's a process. It's a multi-generational process of diluting and watering down. We used to be this. I mean, some of you guys can still remember the Brush Harbor meetings where the power of God would fall and they were rolling in sawdust on the floors because the presence of God was so real they didn't even know how to control themselves. And now we're so worried about controlling ourselves that we are unwilling to allow the Spirit of God to move in our being. We can feel Him. We can shake in it. We don't know what to do with it. But we sit there with our hands crossed saying, what are we supposed to do? God, let the Spirit of the Lord fall once again. Let the power of God fall so real that we can't deny that the presence of the Lord has showed up and it's transforming the mind. Somebody says, well, there's too many sinners in the house. They might run from the gifts. Let me tell you something. The Bible says that the gifts were given for the sinner. The reason the world can't believe who we are anymore because we don't operate in the Spirit of God any longer. Mm. Where's my steel toes? Right? Because if we're operating in the spirit and the power and the anointing of God, then the world will recognize it and they'll say, Whoa, they, there's something different about that place. When I walked in, I just, I just felt, mm, I, mm, I, mm, I don't know about that. Right? God, help us once again. To move and operate in the spirit of the Lord. Let the spirit of God flow through every single one. Let none of us hinder the presence and power of God. Let us all flow in your presence, God. Because we are vessels. The temple of the Holy Spirit. Lord, have your way in us in this house. Have your way in this church. Have your way in the body of Christ right here. Congregated at Amcom Church of God. Amen. God, have your way. I better close. Somebody better get up here. What about eating time?
I know Father's Day is important, right? Food. It's all right. It's all right. Job sacrificed for his children just in case they had sinned. Job chapter 1, verse 1 says, There was a man in the land of Uz. That wasn't the Oz either, just to let you know. Whose name was Job, and, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. Seven sons, three daughters were born to him. Verse 4. His sons used to go and hold feasts in the house of each, each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters and to eat and drink with, with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them Rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of all of them. For Job said, perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Man. What does a warrior dad look like? To me, Job... Right here, the display of what Job did. An upright man, a man of God, a man blameless, a man who feared God. A man who, who sacrificed for his children just in case. And he fought for his children. He prayed over his children. He believed for his children. It re reminds me of somebody else. How many remember, uh, it doesn't say his name, but uh, what well, it does. Jairus, Jairus. Reminds me of Jairus. And Jairus' daughter was sick. I mean, she was, she was dying and Jairus came. Jairus was a, a leader in the synagogue, right? I think sometimes we're so, too busy worried about our position that we're unable to humble ourselves before God because what, what will people think if I go to the altar? What will people think if I do that? Jairus literally put his, his whole life at risk his position of the leader of the synagogue by going to Jesus. But he was willing to do it because his daughter was in need. And then when, when they came and said, hey, your daughter's dead, he didn't give up. He kept on. And when Jesus got there, he recognized the faith of a father and a mother for their children is real. And the Bible says this, that they, that they literally told everybody else to go out. Jesus said, she's not dead. Everybody started laughing, but not that mom and dad. It's not a laughing matter. Our children are not a laughing matter. The world can laugh all they want to. The world can put them down. But guess what? That's my child. Come on. Don't you talk about my kids. Right? And we stand up. And we pray. And we believe. And we stand in the gap for our children. We intercede. And I believe God's wanting us to intercede for our children. And it might look risky. It might look like we're, it might look like we're weak because we're, we're in a position of vulnerability. But God's saying, love your kids. Stand in the gap for your children. You know, the, the, the fact is, is, is that sometimes we don't know how because we're wounded warriors. Sometimes we struggle with are we doing the right thing. Look. You don't know how many times I've questioned, Lord, am I, am I messing these kids up? I've said it. 
Wesley have not said it? Am I messing these kids up? Went down to Honduras, took four kids, two of them in diapers. I didn't mess the kids up, I messed Kim up. <laughs> in those years, almost eight years serving there, I kept asking the question, Lord, am I messing them up? Am I getting this right? Look, before I ever went to, before I ever went to Honduras, the, the missions board made me go before a, a, a psychologist, right? They wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. I said, dude, I'm leaving the country with four kids. I am crazy, right? Certifiable. But Dr. Doug Slocum, late Doug Slocum, passed away now. I sit there and told my story, and he's asking questions, prodding, and I do these inventories and assessments, and I sat down with him, and he looked at me and said, I, I, how do you make it? <laughs> I said, with Jesus and a good wife. <laughs> I said, yeah, man, I, I know, man, my life has been messed up. I've done, done things, experienced things that... No child should experience. I, I get it. But I could walk around as a victim or I could walk around as a victor. Amen. I could keep spewing the past and inseminating my kids' minds with the, the, the ugly vulgarness of my past or I can show them that the power of God is capable of transforming one mind to obtaining the mind of Christ and walking in His faithfulness and truth. Maybe you've asked that question. Maybe you have children. Maybe your children's already adults and you're wondering, did I screw them up? That, I'm sorry if I, that's wrong. Am I messing them up? Have I done this? wanting to encourage you this morning that no matter how old you are no matter how old your children are you're still a warrior dad you're still standing in that you can still stand look when I look at Job's children these were not just young little children they were throwing parties at their house and inviting their sisters to come on their particular days they were old enough to know what life was about and he was continually sacrificing just in case they sinned. What are we doing for our children? How are we standing in the gap? What influences do we have? I mean, think about it. What force, the, the world wants you to think that your, your influence has been diminished and that, that your dominance in your children's life is over. I mean, it didn't just start yesterday. I mean, you can look at The Simpsons. Such an innocent show, right? But they made that dad look like he was the dumbest idiot in the world. Right? I mean, I could go from cartoon to cartoon that they, it started with their children. Because they just, little seeds. Disney's putting together transgender uh, people right now. To affect your children. 
What, what dominance, what force, what influence, what dominating influence do we have that will say, I will stand in the gap for my children and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It may not be culturally relevant today. I might be considered a bigot. I might be considered hate speech. I don't hate anybody. But there's one thing I do. I love Jesus. And I love his word. And I recognize that everybody needs Jesus. Because everybody has the ability to know him and be transformed by him. And so why would I give up? Why would I back down? Why would I turn loose? Why would I take this hands-off approach and say, well, they'll find their way somehow? Absolutely not. Right now is the time to be the most involved in your children. We say, well, my children have children. Praise God. Come on, granddaddies and grandpas and papas. What better time to... Involve yourself in your children's life to show that you love them and you love their children. And you're willing to invest in them. You're willing to pour into them. Look, there's too many, there's too many voices in the world that we're allowing to speak into our children. It's time for us to step up our voice. Be the voice that our children hear. To be the voice that says, I love you. You may not have ever said, I love you. What's the impact of that? I love you, son. I love you, daughter. You mean so much to me. I may not have spent time with you when you were little. You might have misunderstood my awayness because of my job, but everything I was doing was because of you. You might not have told your children that. And all they saw was an absentee father, and yet you were longing to be with them. But because of your absence, you feel distant. I'm here to tell you that it can be transformed. Don't give up now. Embrace them. And say, I might not have been there then, but you're not going to get rid of me now. I might not have been able to do it then because I wasn't whole like I should be. But praise God, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. You got me and you got a bunch of me. I'm sorry. Amen. This morning, I, maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you feel like, man, I don't, I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm struggling with fatherhood. Or maybe you say, I have struggled with fatherhood. I've struggled because my kids aren't where they should be right now. And I've took the blame of that. But I want to see them in a new way. I want to see them in a new light. And I want to stand in the gap for them today. If that's you, would you just, would you just raise your hand right where you are right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Praise God. Praise God. If you say, Pastor... I want to do the right thing, but man, my past has hindered me, and I, I'm, still, I'm still broken. I love Jesus. I want to serve the Lord, but I know there's some wounds in me that need to be completely healed so that I can be the man of God that he's called me to be. There's some still struggles that I'm facing. 
but I'm on the right track. And I'm just needing some help from the Lord this morning. Would you just raise your hand right where you are if that's you this morning? Yes, 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 yes. Would you close your eyes with this morning? If you'd say, Pastor, I'm, wed- I'm ready for the commitment this morning. I'm ready for the next step in my journey of fatherhood. I'm ready to stand in the gap. I want to be the warrior dad. I don't want to be compromising any longer. I want to be sure of the foundation of being the father that you've called me to be. If that's you this morning, would you just make your way to this altar? Would you join me? I'm here. I'm here. If I was sitting, I would stand up and come right here, right now. But if that's you this morning, would you come? Would you join me? I want to be that warrior dad. I want to be the dad that stands in the gaps of my children. I want to be the Job who, who sacrifices and prays for his children daily. I want to be the servant of God that, that shows the example to my children of what a father looks like, a godly father looks like. I want to be that this morning. Come on, men. If that's you this morning, would you say, I want to be that man. I want to be that servant. I want to be that vessel that God can use to show light and life to my children. I want them to be able to replicate the attitudes and actions that I take because I'm walking and trusting in you, Lord Jesus. Yes. The Apostle Paul said this. He said that you have 10,000 trainers, equippers, or tutors, but you have not many fathers. And he, he declared himself a spiritual father. Some of you are spiritual fathers this morning. He declared himself a spiritual father. He says, he says imitate me. Can we say that? Can we say that? Imitate me. Can we look at our children? Can we look at young men who are struggling in the world? Can we say, imitate me? God, help us. Father, I pray for these men this morning. They have come boldly before you this morning. They have come, Lord, this morning to say, we want to be accounted for in this day, in this hour. We have come because we recognize that there is a war for our children. We recognize that the enemy of our children's soul is is valiant. He's trying to destroy, kill, steal, and destroy. But Lord, we have come to stand in the gap. Lord, we have come, Lord, as vessels to say, Lord, use us. We have not come, Lord, as perfect beings. We have come as available servants saying, Lord, prepare us. Lord, equip us. Lord, bring healing in us. Lord, bring renewing to our mind. Lord, bring hope into our soul. God, raise us up today. Let us be the valiant warriors that fights for our children. Let us be the valiant warriors that stands in the gaps and says, nothing shall enter my home that will bring destruction to my home. In Jesus' name, we rebuke the enemy of our children. In Jesus' name, we break the curse, the 
generational curses that we have caused or that have been passed down through us. In Jesus' name, we will no longer live like we used to live. We will no longer allow the old man to rise up in us, but we crucify the flesh today. We crucify the old man and we rise up a new vessel, a new man and woman of God. We rise up today filled with the power of your spirit, Lord. We rise up today, Lord, declaring that your truth will be vivid in us, Lord Jesus. We choose today to walk in you just as you were willing to show us the perfect love. Lord, to reach out like the prodigal son's father who was willing to be extravagant to reach out to his son when all the world would curse him, when all the world would cast him out. Lord, we choose to go and bring a covering over our children and to stand in the gap for them, to hold them, to say, you may have messed up. You may have done something bad, but I'm here to hold you close to me. I'm here to cover you. I'm here to bring you in to show you a love that you might not deserve. But Jesus showed me a love that I don't deserve. And I'm going to show you that love today. I'm going to minister that love over you today. I'm going to show you that you are the way, the truth, and life. And I'm going to live in Christ Jesus so that you can find him too. Father, anoint and renew. Anoint and renew, Jesus. Anoint and renew, Jesus. In the name of 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 Jesus. Men, I'm going to ask you to do something right now. Would you come a little closer? Step in a little closer. Spread out a little bit further. Fill these gaps right here. Now I want you to turn this way. Fill those gaps. Come on down, Jeffrey. Come on down, Jeffrey. Come on down, James. Young people, children, why don't you go stand in front of these men? Your dad's up there. Your grandfather's up there. Or, a, or adopt a dad right now. Go. Adopt a dad right now. Come on. Dad, if you ain't up there, go on up there. Come on. Somebody get in front of one of these men. Adopt them dads right there. Amen. These. Come here, Sydney. I need to give you. I need to give you a dad right now. All right. I know your dad's not here. Come on. I'm gonna give you one. A good spiritual father right here. Right there. Right there. Come on. Come on. Come on, dad. You get up there and take your daughter with you. Come on, come on. Go ahead. I'm going to give you a dad. Come here.
Guys, you are generational. Your legacy is right before you. You're pouring into next generation. You're pouring into life. You're pouring into hope. You're standing in the gap for those around you. You're standing in the gap. Maybe your kids aren't able to be here, but you're standing in the gap. You are men of God, declared, declaring the truths of God's word. And I want you to pray over these, these young people and children that are standing in front of you. I want you to lay hands on them. I want you to believe them. I want you to declare the truth over their lives. I want you to live. Let that shine through you right now. Let the words of God speak through you right now over these young people. If you don't have somebody and there's like three or four people around you, just lay hands on them, all right? And let's believe together, all right? Come on, let's go, men.
Amen. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. I got, some, I got some more good news. Y'all ready for good news? In August, we're going to start once a month traditional service on Sunday night. All right? We're, we're going we're going to, uh, we'll start, give you the schedule, but starting in August, once, once a month, we'll have a, a Sunday night service. It'll be a traditional-based service. Um, GT's clapping, but he didn't know he's leading it. <laughs> Come on, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time. Um, we will we will have some some wonderful uh, services. I really want to encourage old and young alike. Just because it's traditional doesn't mean it's meant for just old folks. Our young people need to realize and 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 enjoy and value uh, our old music. You know, a lot of times you'll hear me quote, um, you'll hear me quote hymns and stuff like that because it was ingrained in me, right? And there's a lot of value in our in our older music, just as there's value in our newer music. But I, I really want us to to enjoy that. So you'll be hearing more about it. We'll give you the dates out there, but be aware of that. Coming in August, we'll start a traditional service on Sunday night once a month, and uh, if it goes really really well, we'll let uh, Barbara lead the second one. That isn't that what you said? You put a two up. If it goes really, really well, we'll look at maybe adding another night, all right? But God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy your day.